Next in Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. And today, Julie, we have a guest that is a good friend of yours. Yes. And so I'm going to kind of turn this over to you to give you a chance to, to introduce him and, and lead us in this conversation. I'm really excited to, to be a part of this today. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, today we're going to have Jeff Remington, who is a middle school teacher from Palmyra, Pennsylvania. And I had the good fortune of meeting Jeff in Arlington, Virginia, through the National Science Teachers Association. And he is a presidential awardee for the excellence in math and science teaching, as I was. And we had the opportunity to meet in a very intensive week and become STEM ambassadors for the NSTA. And so we got to meet that way. Okay, you're throwing out acronyms again. Okay, sorry. (laughs) What is STEM? STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And so we became ambassadors to for STEM, and it was a real intense training. Basically, uh, we learned a lot about communicating, but what we we really got to build an excellent network with one another. And Jeff and I stayed in contact. And he's uh, responsible for my trips and subsequently your trips to the United Arab Emirates. So we can thank him well, for that. Yeah. And nice. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> for that. And, and so uh, currently he is in the final 50 for the Varki UNESCO Global Teacher Award, which I'm not going to go into what UNESCO is, but that is a major award. Wait, now I... <laughs> As a, as a teacher, I remember getting, did I get the catalog from them for all the cool for science UNESCO? stuff that you could order? Is that possibly? Am I remembering Possibly, that? but the Global Teacher Prize is a million-dollar prize. Whoa! But, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, how these awards and, and just the, the journey that Jeff has taken and what he has done for his students and his community. So, Jeff, we welcome you to What's Next in Ed. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here. This is such an awesome opportunity. Oh, good. So I guess my first question, just real quick, is um, Julie likes to to tout her presidential award, so she carries her certificate with her everywhere just to remind me that I don't have one. So do you He carry, nominated me, by the do way. Do you so. carry yours around with you? Uh, I don't even I don't even know where mine is at. <laughs> I'm just playing. He's kidding with me. <laughs> I might get a little miniature one to keep in my wallet. So there you go. There you that. go. Maybe we could get that. So, Jeff, um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what brought you into teaching, what led you into um, this passion for STEM education? Yeah, well, thanks. So, originally, I uh, started off uh, not too far from you down in Pensacola. Uh, as a uh, Naval Aviation Officer uh-huh. candidate school there. Um, what I didn't realize, I mean, I passed all my physicals to get into the program, but then once you're in the program, you have to take a class one physical. Uh, and I had a minor issue with um, air pressure, rapid changes in air pressure. And I guess if you're going to be a pilot, no, most, of those planes, <laughs> most of those planes are not pressurized to within one atmosphere. <laughs> So, uh, so they gave me at that point, I um, did not qualify for that. I did not qualify for submarines because I guess the same thing can happen with a submarine. So went out and went to plan B, which was teaching. Um, my father always encouraged me to go into teaching, but uh, I was a little reluctant uh, to do it, but then uh, had so many incredible, incredible mentors 
that have really, really helped me through the years. Uh, probably the first one being my father-in-law, who was an analytical chemist for Pittsburgh Plate Class. Uh, and uh, he, he really took me under his wing, got me charged up, and so many other kind mentors have done that. And they've always said, pay it forward. So see what you can do to enhance other people's uh, experience in education and get them to the next level. So I've really tried to do that. Well, I love that. when you won the presidential award, what year was that? That was 2003. The interesting thing about that was we were in the White House, supposed to meet President Bush, but they said, President Bush can't come with you right now. He's got a big meeting. And the cabinet members, I guess, were cruising on through. Mm -hmm. And we met Mrs. Bush. But the, the big cabinet meeting at that exact time was the cabinet meeting to start the war with Iraq back in 2003. Oh so I was oh, wow. in the White House the exact hour that started. Oh, wow. That, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a memory, isn't it? That, that was a memory. That's a memory. That was a memory, yeah. Well, I understand that uh, you did some things with your presidential award. Um, the award itself is $10,000 for yep. for the teacher. At one time, it was for the classroom or the right. school. But then they started giving the, the – the, and National Science Foundation provides the amount. So tell us a little bit about what you did with that. Yeah, so, you and know – To pay it forward. Boy, that was a big chunk of money. And again, that's, you know, the mentors that I've had always say, what can you do to pay it forward? So um, talked about my father-in-law. We actually gave a tribute to him in, in paying it forward. So my, my wife um, was a administrator for our church education program, and she did a vacation Bible school, and she would do um, a fundraiser for this school that we started to find out about in Haiti. Um, by a, a founder called Dr. Mortel, who grew up in Haiti, poorest of the poor, and became a very successful world-class surgeon, doctor, researcher, professor. He went back to Haiti and started a series of schools. So I met Dr. Mortel and I said, well, what do you do for science down at the schools? And they said, well, we really, we really don't do science at schools. We, we read what's the national curriculum and, and it's essentially, it's mm -hmm. kind of memorizing, but they're not really learning science. So I said, well, on. I've got this money. Can we change that? So um, in the early 2000s, we built the first lab and we named it after my father-in-law, the J. Kevin Scanlon um, Science Lab. That was a, sort of, sort of a, a tie-in to that beginning moment in, in my life. And then since then, we've been um, helping with two computer labs and helping assist a little bit with a uh, another science lab at a high school. Mm -hmm. um, we have had some of our graduates from back then when they just started to learn computers and not. Um, right now, we have one that's being uh, in college to be a computer scientist. We have another one that's developed a startup named Dakla, um, and his startup tries to leverage and make healthcare accessible to people in Haiti, which is a huge, huge task. Wow. And he is currently on the front lines with technology um, in battling the, uh, the pandemic in Haiti mm -hmm. with his startup company. And uh, we feel like his roots were with the schools and the technology Absolutely. that we were able to provide. Intel even came 
and uh, and supported our program, gave us resources, spent a full week at our schools really? doing training and infrastructure. It's it's been awesome. Well, that that's certainly an impact from directly from you, you know, and and what the uh, the doctor had tried to establish. That, well, there's, I mean, my story is not unique. It's Dr. Mortel. <laughs> he, uh, he, he's a Horatio Alger winner, if you're uh, not familiar yes. with that award, but Oprah Winfrey's won, mm-hmm. just to let you know okay. the kind of league that is. <laughs> but like what he's done for Helen and I, he's done for so many other people. So many people have contributed to the success of that school. It's, it's quite amazing. Well, tell us a little bit about the Global Teacher Award and how you got involved with that and what happened there. Yeah, so it's an award that I really knew nothing about uh, until probably about three, two or three years ago. Um, my aunt's my aunt was a superintendent at a school who had a global teacher top fifty awardee. So I was on my radar then, but didn't think much of it. Uh, but then. Long story short, I, like you guys did, I spent some time doing a number of trainings in Dubai, um, was part of the very first wave that went there to do mm-hmm. trainings for the, for the uh, Ministry of Education. When I did that, uh, a few people really liked what I was doing and my style and my training and that they invited me back to do a, a, a keynote at a global STEM education forum there. And then eventually this past year, um, a, a colleague from the United Arab Emirates recommended, nominated me for that award. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. And there were, I think, 12,000 teachers nominated around the world. And here we are at the top 50. Wow. So it, wow. That's really impressive. And pretty cool. That's very cool. And one of the things that we were talking about is that these awards are wonderful, but they inspire advocacy for education and it gives you a platform and an avenue to, to make things better and make the world a better place. So what have you learned as far as being a part of the 50? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, to just back up a little bit, Julie, you and I were, you know, advocates from the STEM ambassadorship and that really helped a lot with this. That uh, uh, gave me a good lens. And now the Barkey Foundation, who uh, partners with UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, um, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Thank you. So they, they, yeah, yeah thank you they for partner that. Even, yeah. even with the World Economic Forum. So I had that completely and, wrong. I don't get catalogs from UNESCO. <laughs> I don't I think you would get a catalog from that, no. But, but they, they partner uh, really to, to try and raise global awareness of education and teachers. And um, although I've, you know, just been with this top 50 formally since mid-March, we've been doing an awful lot of, uh, you know, weekly um, Zoom sessions to get to know each other and certainly a lot of communication here and there. But uh, it's it's been outstanding. Last Earlier this week, there was just a huge global education forum online um, in response to where we are with the global pandemic and where it is with education. And there is a big call to action uh, by the collective body of all of us uh, in a couple of areas. Would you? Would it be good for me to share those? Yes, areas with yes, you right we're now? really excited to hear about that. Um, yeah, because that's so a global, you know, it's, a global it's, call to action. Yes. Okay, and and I'm seeing this as we 
talk to these teachers from all over the world, uh, we do all have the same experience of, you know, self-isolation, mm -hmm. but the delivery of education mm -hmm. to students around the world uh, could not be more different. Um, there are students, I know our students in Haiti are not learning right, right now. They are not learning because there's no connectivity and, and many countries are like that. Mm -hmm. So the global call to action, here's some things that we're, we're really advocating for reliable internet access for all. Okay. So this crisis has forced schools across the world to teach remotely mm -hmm. from the internet. Mm -hmm. Well, if you live in a country that doesn't have that infrastructure, right. uh, or maybe you do have that infrastructure, but maybe there's only one single device per household and you have parents that have to do their work and mm -hmm. kids that have to do their work. How, how mm -hmm. does that happen? So reliable internet access and technology for all. Uh, solutions to keep children learning when there is no internet. So we know that there are you know, millions and millions of children right now that don't have access to the internet in a sense they're not learning. What can be done so that learning can continue mm -hmm. in the event that these kind of things continue? No education cuts. I think we all realize that uh, you know, there's going to be a big global downturn from all this. Probably the easiest thing that can be done is do education cuts. But I think this is an opportunity now to reimagine what education can be and to think education is there to solve world problems right. like this and to develop the technologies. So and how essential that is, if you know, where where do we lie on the being essential? And are absolutely. we the first to be cut at, at everything? Absolutely. To me, that's counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially in light of this pandemic. Uh, safe environment for teachers and pupils. So, you know, when when schools reopen, are kids going to have a safe space, social distancing and all that? Mm -hmm. Are teachers going to have that safe space? Mm -hmm. um, we have found that, you know, the younger you are, the more resilient you are with this, but that's not always the case. But if you are an older teacher like myself, mm -hmm. That's you know you're and you're at a higher part of risk the discussion in that of whether older teachers would be returning or have a choice to not return. Mm -hmm. Ab absolutely, absolutely. So lost school days should not turn into a lost generation. Mm -hmm. So again, when I'm when That's I'm powerful. thinking about mm -hmm. what I'm thinking about Haiti, okay, those kids unfortunately are not like my kids right here in Palmyra, who the the learning is going on. I'm mean, I'm doing learning with right. them. My my colleagues are doing learning with them. But uh, in Haiti, that's that's lost. Well, is there going to be a, a, a means to make that up? So you feel like that's a, two steps backwards. Two steps backwards. And, and I mean, there are you know, millions of, of students around the world that uh, we, we can't let this be a lost generation of a year and have a year of gaps mm -hmm. there. Um, training to teach online. I think we've all seen that uh, we've had... Just, just like there's this big exponential curve for um, for the coronavirus, we have had a learning curve in the teaching profession yes. on how to how to teach online, how to how to supplement regular instruction. Well, that needs to continue. Um, we need to not only just teach online, but figure out what are other methods that we can use to teach students, uh, especially those that don't have the means to be connected. Mm -hmm. Um, training to safeguard children online. I think one of the quickest things that we've all realized, no matter where you are in the world, is that these platforms are vulnerable to um, nefarious means. Yes. 
And uh, if you talk to other educators, I don't think you're going to find an educator that didn't have some kind of a story where a Zoom meeting didn't have something happen at some point over this period of mm-hmm. online teaching where, where there was shouldn't something going on that, mm-hmm. that, shouldn't, that shouldn't have happened. So, um, you know, we need to invest in, in those, those uh, safeguards for, for children while they're online. Nutrition and free meals. Um, you know, at least in the United States, what we've all realized is what a central hub school districts are for feeding the community. Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure how it is down where you are, but Mm -hmm. here, all the schools, I mean, that is the center hub where kids are coming, parents are coming to get um, get food. We're serving, yeah, and we're serving at at the schools and just trying to keep them fed, but it's it's a piece that is forgotten. It is. I mean, our schools in Haiti, the kids get two meals a day. Mm -hmm. And by those kids being fed, there's more food for the families to eat because they know their kids have had two good nutritious True. meals. Yeah. Um, so, so that needs to happen everywhere. We've really got to focus on that. And then we've really got to fast track education technology strategies. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of startups in this space, but uh, I think when you talk about technology, more of that is geared um towards other institutions and business and industry, but we're finding out now how vital that is for education. So from the, uh, from the Varkey Foundation and the United uh, Nations um, Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, their end, um, these are some things that we feel like really need to happen. And this is a great opportunity coming out of this pandemic to make sure that they do happen. Because those things should happen regardless of a pandemic, I guess. You know, those things oh, should be, always be at the top of the absolutely. list. Yeah. Um, but the pandemic having brought that forward. And, oh, my goodness, we are so thankful for sharing that insight from the top 50 teachers of the world who got together to discuss that. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and so many of those topics just really hit home for us in some of the conversations that we've been having it became so obvious that there was a, a lot of inequity between the kids that had access and those that didn't. And what were we going to do for those children that didn't? And you really touched in on a lot of those things. And, and I, I think about the the food, fe- those meals were such an important part and those had to be uh, brought in immediately here. And I know uh, work that I do down in the Dominican Republic, it's the same. The Yep. The government had started uh, a feeding program in their schools, and, and I worry a little bit about what that looks like for them right now while the schools are shut down. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think oh, absolutely. it makes us realize that education is so much more than academics. So much more. So than much academics. more than academics. It's oh, the my goodness. whole empathy yeah. piece and, yes. and just that we are caring for people and, and it raising a generation. And when you said a lost generation, that just really touches my heart and worry, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a global concern of where will we, where will we be? What is next for these children? Yeah. My, my hope is that this will be over and we can get back to the face-to-face classes in the fall and there'll be a little gap there, but it wouldn't be uh, insurmountable. But if this continues, if, if something flares back up in the fall and, this continues on in this in this mode we might really be looking right. at 
Well, some issues with these teachers and that the meeting that you've had um, in this summit. Um, right. I mean, that's a lot of powerful minds. And so where do you see that action coming from and this being acted on? Like what now? Um, well, could so I, I think it's, you, you know, I, I mean, our, our audience may not really relate to this, but, um, you know, Julie, when, when you and I were, were, were recognized for some of the strength and leadership we had, and then we had kind mentors in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., to take us to that next level and to raise our awareness mm-hmm. on issues that like you guys were familiar with, but we, you know, just the conversation I had with both of you, I, I could see on my screen, your awareness just increased and you had that aha moment. Yes, exactly. we're experiencing that. Yeah. So what's next, I think is we've got to raise that awareness with everybody we know. That's all it takes is raising that awareness mm-hmm. and uh, getting people to understand how vital education is to everything we do and, and what a force education can be, not only to come out of this pandemic, mm-hmm. but uh, to help heal our economy, to help develop technologies to prevent future pandemics from not only affecting our health, but affecting our economy, our education moving forward. So uh, I, I see this as what's next, an excellent opportunity to advocate. To advocate. Well, I think that's a good point. And I think what I like about the global teachers is that it was, y'all were all educators that were asked, you know. Yes. All educators. Were there any legislators there? Nope. One, 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 100% all educators. 100% uh, educators. educators yeah, that, all educators. You know, were, yeah. Their minds were being picked. And, and I think that that is so important to have. Yeah. It's important to have educators as advocates, but it's important for the public to accept us as the advocators, as the ambassadors. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I mean, when, when we were, when Julian, when you and I were in Washington, uh, a phrase that really stood out to me that I've really tried to live by is that um, educators can help translate purpose and policy into practical sustaining program and practice. And what often happens in education is you get people that set, um, that set policy and purpose that have very little to do with what happens at the grassroots ground level. And oftentimes because they're uninformed, um, they, you know, may fail to produce something that's practical, cost-effective and, uh, does what it's intended to do. So teacher voice is critical in this all around the world. And to have that long-term vision and not the, what can we do right now, but what, how Absolutely. will it later? Long-term, Long-term. Is, is the key. And we, the challenge is so many people think short-term, but uh, long-term is the key. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about your, your story is that you have just had a love for teaching and going back to what your father-in-law said of, of paying it forward and the journey that that has led you on. And I think it's an inspiration to, to other teachers, the kinds of, of opportunities that are out there. And the fact that, that you have been nominated for and won these, these awards and 
but you've continued to pay it forward. And, and now you're even on a bigger stage where you can help advocate and help create awareness. Um, how about things in your state? I know we, a little bit off, cam- uh, off mic, we talked a little bit about what's happening in Pennsylvania. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about, about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, again, when we started this off, Julie and I were, um, in this unique program to be national STEM teacher ambassadors. We were trained intensely in Washington, DC, in sort of legislative affairs, uh, communications, things like that. Um, And then we all had to come up with a goal. What's something we wanna do to move the needle um, as far as STEM education is concerned. And for me, something that's been bothering me for most of my career is that we have had essentially the same teaching standards for STEM, for science, technology, education, and uh, math is a little bit separate. We've had those same ones since the early 90s, and they were very um, Mm one-dimensional standards uh, that were tested sort of like a laundry list, and they they were great for making kids good at Jeopardy, Mm -hmm. um, but they, they weren't good at helping people solve problems or for workforce development. So in Pennsylvania, we have, um, we have some, we're struggling with workforce development. We have close to 20,000 um, computer science jobs available uh, that we can't fill. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of engineering jobs uh, that we can't fill. So, so my big advocacy is to see if we could move the needle and get Pennsylvania to modernize its STEM standards. And it took a lot of finding who are the right people to talk to, to get things Mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of work with the media, a lot of writing of op-eds, a lot of social media. Um, I think for me, what it came down to is showing people the relationship between schools and workforce development to really show that STEM education is at the forefront of workforce development. So long story short, uh, through some persistence and the help of many, uh, the governor announced in September that we were moving forward in looking at the state standards. And as it turned out, they just had uh, a series of stakeholder sessions around the state to see what that might, what people might be interested in. And then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we kind of wondered, oh, are the state standards going to be put on the shelf until People can work on it, and it was just announced at the State Board of Education meeting on Wednesday that uh, they have two committees formed. One is a content committee. The other one is a steering committee. Uh, I think 181 people applied for those committees. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be placed on both committees, um, and we are going to write standards. This could be the, the first time in history that a state has written and developed their state standards virtually mm-hmm. online. That's and crazy. we're going we're to do that in June. Uh, the committee members that are on here are rock star committee members, salt of the earth, good, sound, reasonable people. Uh, I am just so appreciative of our s- state board well, of I'm education. I'm so glad you get to be on that because I know that that is your personal dream to, yes. to turn Pennsylvania around. When you talk about science standards from the 90s and think yep. about the exponential growth of technology from 1990 oh, yeah. to here. Yep. <laughs> so 
I mean, we're we, teaching stuff before the iPhone even came out. Well, right. like yeah. seven years before the iPhone even yes. came out. Yes, I mean, VHS, and people, kids yeah. don't even know what VHS is. You know, yeah. that's a, a movie. Wow. But, so I'm really glad that you get to be a part of that and make not just changes. You know, you're making changes locally and in your state and in the world. You know, you're making an impact. And, and I think that's so you know, I'm so fortunate that we get to interview you today and talk with you about that. That is just. Well, thank you. We, we all have to pay it forward. And that's, that's what everyone's ever told me. And <laughs> that's been so kind and done kind. Things well, you have me. done so, and I'm sure you'll do more. So I'm, I'm curious uh, about this. You're in the top 50 and Julie threw out a, a money number. I think she said like a million dollars or something. One does million it, dollars. So it, does <laughs> it, does it get narrowed down to just one? teacher and yeah so i think the next the the next phase is it gets narrowed down to 10 Uh and then if i understand correctly those 10 move on to a celebration so the 50 of us have a celebration in london i think in the fall oh wonderful i hope you get to still go yeah who knows we'll see and then i think 10 move on if i'm not mistaken to dubai and then from those 10 what is selected. So right now I've never had a one in 50 chance at a million dollars. I like those odds. Those are great odds. A one in 10 chance would be better, but I'm just (laughs) totally, totally happy with where I'm at and getting to meet and interact with these amazing teachers. And and that's what I have found out with, along with the presidential award. and, And, you know, that's why I want to impress that awards are advocacy. It is, it gives you a platform. It gives you a way to speak out, but it gives you such rich, uh, professional networking and lifelong friendships um, yep. from across the world. Absolutely. Right. So I'm excited to possibly down the line have another interview with you to find out, uh, regardless of whether you make it to the right. to the the number one spot, but just to talk a little bit more about that experience yeah. and, and what that was like. Yeah, for I did you. in London. And then if you do end up winning. Uh, it'll be fun to talk with you to find out how you're going to pay that forward. That'll be a, an interesting conversation. Okay. So. That okay. sounds great. I have it in mind, but I'll, I'll hold so, on to it. So <laughs> I'm guessing, you know, you already answered our question as far as what do you see as next in ed is just continued advocacy for educators or for I, yes. educators so advocating. On, on the social side, I see advocacy. On the other side, I see this whole pandemic has been an agent of change, an accelerator of change. We've certainly seen it in education. We've accelerated more in our learning and education and pedagogy in, you know, two months than we've had in in years prior to that. But I think this is going to be a pivotal moment for realizing what we have to do, especially with STEM education for workforce development. Because you think about this as we head into this fourth industrial revolution where automation is going to happen more. If we had more of these jobs automated, the economy could still be cruising along um, because people that would be doing repetitive work, you know, robots, AI, they're not Mm going to get this influenza Mm -hmm. after the uh, COVID. They're going to keep going. You may think, well, all those people are going to be displaced. Well, now you're going to have so many more workers that are going to need be needed in the development, the engineering, the computer science fields to get those running. And right. we're, we've discovered those jobs you could do remotely. Right, um, exactly. So I think it'll be a great opportunity to see, um, to accelerate changes for education, STEM education. For the better. Yeah, for, for the, the better. better. For the better. 
Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. It yes. was a, an honor to speak with you, and uh, definitely very thank exciting you. to hear about all the things that are that are happening. Yes, thank you for giving us some insights into what's going on uh, in your state and at the the Global Fifty. That's right. And uh, we just appreciate your insights and your passion for STEM and for education and for paying it forward. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. This, this has been awesome. And, uh, and, and good luck on the podcast. It's oh, great. Thanks. Very, thanks. very comfortable. It's like we're <laughs> sitting around a kitchen table. I love it. I love it. I wish we were Jeff. Yeah. I wish, I wish we were yeah. able to do that. That would be great. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and we will, uh, please join us next time as we go to explore what's next, next in Ed. Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.